And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Late night Midnight on the interstate I didn't feel so Okay, so thanks for joining Straight from the Source, Michael Russo. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. This is take two of the podcast, at least the podcast open. Thank goodness I didn't do this yesterday, but I sent, uh, I did a 15-minute open this morning, sent it to my producer, incredible producer, Jeff Domet, and what do you know, it was blank. I sent a producer, uh, the, the open, a couple ads, the uh, end of the podcast, uh, spent about an hour doing all of that and then sent it to him and realized I never turned on the microphone. And could you imagine if I did that last night with Tim Army, today's guest? That would have been an absolute disaster. Absolutely would have been a humiliating experience. So I guess it uh, could always be worse. But uh, a little frustrating morning to say the least. Uh, but my guest today, as I mentioned, is Tim Army, the Iowa Wild coach. Always talkative, always insightful about the Wild's prospects and I think that you'll enjoy this this uh, week's edition of Straight from the Source. He talks about everybody from Marco Rossi and Kalen Addison and Adam Beckman to um, you know some of the periphery guys that maybe some t- under the radar guys I should say that maybe you don't hear a lot about the Mason Shaws, the Mitch Chafees, um, players like that. Um, and we talk about next year's t- team. We talk about some funny stories that happened in Iowa this year. Probably not funny at the time for them at all. Um, and we talk about his love of coaching. Uh, he also has some choice, choice things to say about uh, Alex Hovenas' fitness and how if he doesn't get his act together, he's going to regret uh, that he blew this opportunity to be a quality uh, or to be an NHL or years from now just because he's not devoting himself to his fitness. So you'll um, like that. Uh, you, what you won't like is the Wilds' um, outcome last night in Game 5 of their first-round matchup against the St. Louis Blues. Remember when they were 2-1 up in this series and we were all look, thinking ahead, all right, uh, how will they match up against the Colorado Avalanche, things like that? Well, now they are down 3-2 in the series because they returned home for Game 5 and lost 5-2 last night. The Wild now have lost 12 of their last 16 playoff home games. They're now 16-24 and 24 all-time at home in the playoffs, excluding uh, the 2020 bubble. Um, so again... Home ice advantage has meant nothing uh, to this team. 12 losses in their last 16 playoff games at home. That is just absolutely unconscionable, unbelievable. And last night, the fans brought it. They brought it in the first period. Um, you know, a lot of pressure, a lot of pace. And obviously, Kirill Kaprizov scores two power play goals. But even strength-wise, we keep on talking about how good this team is even strength. Well, it completely outscored last night. It even strength got really nothing. Uh, Jordan Bennington, just solid, clean in net. And on the other end, Marc-Andre Fleury, um, like he's done all series, uh, made everything an adventure in their own end and I just in his own end. And I just think that has uh, really hampered a lot with the Wilds defense in this series. Um, everything's a rebound. Everything is 
just feels um, unsettled and out of control, and it's just created to me uh, mayhem back there. But the Wild, um, they're sticking with Marc-Andre Fleury, even though Cam Talbot uh, had 16 straight starts of points to end the year. No regulation losses since March 1st, and yet um, the Wild, who always say they go with the player that deserves to be in net, I think went with history here, even though uh, the reality is, is that Cam Talbot was playing better than Marc-Andre Fleury down the stretch. Um, and this series turned because Craig Berube made a bunch of different adjustments, and so far Dean Evason hasn't made a single one in terms of lineup, in terms of lines, nothing. Um, what happens after a Game 3 loss at, at, late in that game? They scramble all their lines. The St. Louis Blues, the Wild, have done none of that. They go into Game 4 with four brand-new lines, including 11 uh, defensemen and seven, uh, excuse me, 11 forwards and seven defensemen, something they've done a lot this year, and they're 10-4-2 and when they do that. Um, they make lineup changes and they make the goalie change by taking Ville Husso and putting Jordan Bennington back in. The Wild have made no lineup changes other than Dmitry Kulikov coming out of the lineup in game one and Alex Goligoski coming in. Uh, no forward changes, nothing. Even though Nick Bukestead, who played well down the stretch and well in last year's playoffs, is sitting in the press box and over guys like, look, Nick Delorier hasn't made much of an impact at all in this series. Brandon Duham hasn't scored a goal since February. And yet, um, you know, Tyson Jost is sort of a one-man show on that line, uh, creating offense, but un unable to convert offensively in this series. Kirill Kaprizov, uh, really, really good last night. Uh, Marcus Foligno, a lot of energy. Um, but uh, they put themselves in a position in that second period where they just don't build on their lead. Um, and you just had this eerie feeling that if they didn't get that third goal, that it was going to get a little bit, a uh, little bit hairy, and it absolutely did. Chintzy goal there, uh, the second goal, the tying goal, were uh, you know just a tip in front by Brandon Saad, uh, who, um, as we know, um, used to scorch the Wild in the playoffs for the Chicago Blackhawks. So he gets the tip there, ties the game. Still, you have this feeling like the Wild have been this good third period team all year long, but they go into the third, and by two and a half minutes in, Tarasenko has two goals, and the game is effectively over. 4-2 uh, lead for the St. Louis Blues on, on their way to a Tarasenko hat trick and a 5-2 victory. Um, that third goal is something the Wild will be dissecting forever. It's unbelievable the number of things that happen on that goal, just absolute F-ups by Wild players. Starts with Zuccarello, like he's done in the last two playoffs, just bounced off the puck easily. That was not a penalty by Braden Shen. He just pushed him down. You're allowed to push a guy off the puck. In fact, I think that's what Jake Middleton did on um, the, the penalty that he got on the that led to St. Louis's first goal. I think it was the same thing. That was not a cross check by Middleton. It was it was checking a guy off the puck, and that's what Braden Shen did to Zuccarello. So Zuccarello timbers goes down easily, and then to compound matters goes for a line change while St. Louis is coming the other direction. Now they're coming the other direction. Justin Falk comes in for a soft dump down the right wing boards. It, it happened. It was close. It happened right in front of the red line. I can't tell if it was icing or not. But regardless, Ryan Hartman lifts his arm to signal to the linesman and to his team that he thinks it's going to be an icing call. It's not called icing. I don't know if that fouled up Marc-Andre Fleury and Jake Middleton, but it was a soft dump, so I don't know if Fleury would have come out and played the puck anyway. Brian Boucher thought he should have come out and played the puck. He was the analyst last night on ESPN, and he texted me after the game when I asked him his assessment. He thought he should have played the puck. I don't know if Fleury didn't play the puck because it was too slow with four checkers coming or because he thought that it was an icing because of Hartman. I don't know if Middleton thought that it was an icing but regard or that that Flurry was going to come and play the puck, but he effectively just surrendered the puck to Buchnevich, and next thing you know, Tarasenko is wide open in front of the net. It's the second straight game in this series where a wild defenseman just gave the puck up uncontested to a St. Louis Blues four-checker. In St. Louis, the game before, Jonas Brodin got hammered by Barbashev. That was in his mind, and what happens if Pareko comes in on a four-check, Brodin literally just olays, gives him the puck, and next thing you know, uh, Jordan Cairo has the first of his two goals. So second straight game that a wild defenseman just gave up the puck easily to a Blues player, and it did not wind up uh, helping in any stretch because it gave an easy goal to the St. Louis Blues. But in this case, it wasn't over with. Hartman, signaling for the icing, doesn't defend. Uh, Jordan Greenway, the weak side winger who's taught to have his head on a swivel and not puck watch, he doesn't turn his head and essentially goes behind the net and leaves Tarasenko wide open. So you have Hartman not picking up a guy. You have Jordan Greenway behind the net. And now Jared Spurgeon is crossed up on the other post. Uh, and again, Tarasenko wide open. So that's that's now 3-2, a stunning start to the period within a minute um, there. But what happens 
what, a, a minute eight later or whatever it was. Um, Tarasenko, Barbashev comes in. I love that guy, by the way. He's a great player. Comes into the zone, makes a great play to Tarasenko, and he unleashes a shot that for the second time uh, in two games uh, beats, uh, I believe it was two games, beats uh, maybe three games. It beats uh, Flurry upstairs. Now, I don't know if Flurry saw the puck because there was sort of a sliding screen that might have been set there by Goligoski. Uh, but either way, a uh, save that the Wild needed there and they didn't get from their Hall of Fame-bound goaltender. Um, again, I, I just think that, uh, that, uh, I mean, one, you got to win on home ice, but I think they need better goaltending, but look, uh, you, Kaprizov needs support as well. And Dean Evason, um, it was an indictment of the team last night where he basically said that he needs 20 of Kirill Kaprizov and they'd be competing a lot better in this series. And, and, uh, and they obviously didn't get that. How about, uh, Kirill Kaprizov, by the way, these stats and, oh yeah, it's a little bit of an indictment on the team because, uh, they've been around 22 years and Kaprizov is already climbing up their playoff goals charts. Kaprizov's seven goals broke Marion Gabrick and West Walls' franchise record of five in a single series. In fact, his seven goals has tied Walls and Andrew Burnett for the second most goals in a single wild postseason. Gabrick leads with nine. All three of those totals were established in 2002-3 when the Wild went to the Western Conference Final and played 18 playoff games. Kaprizov has his seven in only five games. He also tied Miko Koiva's team record with a four-game playoff uh, goal streak. And then uh, there were a couple other really neat stats here that I'm going to pull up uh, from NHL stats today as well. So two playoff rounds for Kaprizov, and only three Wild players in history have more playoff goals than his nine. Zach Parisi, 16. Marion Gabbert, 12. Miko Koivu, 11. Kaprizov is one of three active NHLers to score at least nine goals in their first 12 playoff games. Vladimir Tarasenko had 10 in his first 12. Jake Gensel, 9 in his first 12. And here's a good stat. By the way, those are from NHL stats. And Hockey Reference had this one. He said uh, They basically said that Kaprizov, seven goals through five games in this first round, joins Mark Shifley as the only players in the last 10 years to have at least seven goals in a single playoff series. So pretty good stats there. Kaprizov needs some help, though. Wild now go to St. Louis to play Game 6 on Thursday night. About 1 o'clock on Thursday, I believe Jeremy, Jeremy, a Wild fan came up to me yesterday and asked me if I'm up, if Jeremy's upset that I call him Jeremy and not Jeremy. So Jeremy Rutherford and I will be doing a live room probably about 1 p.m. on The Athletic. Again, you go to theathletic.com slash wild or The Athletic uh, app and you should see the notification also tweeted out. We're thinking 1 p.m. Thursday. Um, uh, the wild have a noon skate. I'm thinking that I'm going to change the venue up because the time that I did it last week in my hotel in St. Louis, uh, didn't feel like, uh, it was, uh, we had a lot of gremlins there. So, uh, hopefully maybe different Wi-Fi, different setting. will make sure the live room works perfectly, but about 1 PM Thursday, we'll be doing this live room and I'm sure that it'll be an, a fun live room. Can't wait. Um, so Thursday game six. And they hope to uh, uh, force a Game 7 at home on Saturday before maybe advancing to the second round and playing the Colorado Avalanche. Wild have won two in a row many, many, many times. Uh, so the series is not over yet, but the Wild have a ton of work to do. And we'll see now if Dean Evison makes any adjustments going into Game 6. Could we see a goalie change, or do, is it too late? Cam Talbot's been sitting around for a week and a half, two weeks. Uh, that puts a lot of pressure on him to just go to St. Louis and steal him a game. Um, or could we see even some lineup changes as well? My guest today, Tim Army, the Iowa Wild coach. Here's a word from one of our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, as mentioned, happy to be joined by Tim Army. Uh, Tim just completed his fourth season as the Iowa uh, Wild coach, and 
And Tim, uh, you, you've you had a lot of adversity this season, injuries, call ups, uh, and still came very very close to making the playoffs. Yeah, we hung in there, uh, and it was it was yeah we 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 fell behind late November December, and it was a tough hill to climb. We almost got there. We really came a game short. Yeah, and we made a great push at the end. And yeah, it's disappointing. We want to get in. We want to play playoff games. It's really important for our all of our guys, but for our young guys to play in those kind of games. But over the last six weeks, we played a lot of them. They were almost playoff games for us. So we had the guys did have exposure to really tight games late in the year, and we we were right there at the end. And uh, we just came up a little bit short. Probably that time, you know, that stretch there, late November to Christmas time, uh, we 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 dropped off the pace, and it's hard to make it up. But we we made a good effort at it. And yeah, we had a mix of a lineup. I I you know I always say. When when Carno was in our lineup, Carno, we were fourteen three and two. Yeah, he was your best player. Games. He was the best player. Yeah, and he, and he was outstanding twice here. Yep. You know, so we started really well. Then we lost him uh, in November. We lost him and Marco in the same game in Henderson, and then uh, we only had him one more game after that. We beat uh, we beat Colorado in overtime, and then he came up, and then he came back and played seven games. We were five one and one. Yeah. So you know, so our lineup did mix, but uh, again, we got it was good exposure. It was good opportunity for guys to play, and uh, we want to win. No excuses. Uh, it's important that we win. Uh, but you know, we we battled right to them. We just came up a little bit short. How do you uh, coach and never age? That's what I want to know. You look younger than uh, than the first day I met you. I feel. I appreciate that. I don't. <laughs> I just turned fifty nine, and I don't feel it's that crazy. at all. I, I got to say this uh, before before we get going today. If you grew up in New England, uh-huh. today's date. You know exactly where you were. It's sort of like, I guess, the Kennedy assassination. I was born six months before the president was assassinated. But if you knew or when Challenger blew up, you know exactly where you, where you were. Today in New England, hockey circles is the day you know exactly where you were. May 10th, 1970, Bobby Orr scored an overtime right, against yep. the Bruins. So anybody playing hockey in New England, <laughs> it galvanized, uh, it galvanized, the, uh, galvanized the area. And I, was, I turned seven in April. Uh, they beat the Blackhawks in Game Four, six-five, to sweep the Hawks to play the Blues, and then May tenth, nineteen seventy. So I'm fifty-nine, and I don't feel it. I feel like I feel, yeah, I feel really good. That's awesome. I'm really energized. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Marco. Uh, let's start there. Um, as you, as you know, I always ask uh, for Twitter questions, and that one was uh, there were about uh, um, about twenty different iterations of Marco. Um, obviously, a lot of this I think probably had to do with his contract, not getting a lot of time up here. But how did he play? Uh, he set all-time Iowa Wild rookie record this he year. He played really well. Mm-hmm. He's a good hockey player, and he's going to be a really good player, and he's mm-hmm. going to play here for a long time. He not only did he not only did he set the Iowa uh, rookie record, he, he tied with Rousey mm-hmm. uh, for the team lead in points, fifty-three points each of them. He was also our leader, plus-minus. He was plus eleven. So I think that kind of reflects plus-minus. In today's terms with analytics, isn't quite the stat it was right. at one time, but there is some merit to it when you look at extremes mm-hmm. on both ends of the spectrum. Right, and and he so he led our team in scoring with Rousey. Uh, he he broke the rookie uh, points record in Iowa, and he was plus eleven, which led our team. So I think that kind of reflective of his game. He had a really good year. He's a really good hockey player. Uh, I, I think especially missing a full year mm-hmm. and with what he came through he wasn't like everybody else that could play last year it was a, it was a tough year for him health wise obviously it's well documented uh and 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 he came in and so with a with a year off at a high level with great expectations he played really well i think he had a little bit tired as the season progressed you were playing him 22 23 minutes a night mm-hmm. he's playing power play he's killing penalties he's playing in all sorts of big situations ne- along with his regular shift I, I at one point reduced his minutes on the penalty kill just to kind of save his legs a little bit. He kind of got his legs back. He got a kind of a second wind, and then we started playing him the same amount again on the on the kill and of course the power play. Uh, and and I like I said, he got a little bit tired at the end. It's natural. Most guys do at 20 years old in the American Hockey League. But he but he's a very very good player. Makes people around him better offensively. He's very subtle, and mm-hmm. I think I've told you this before. And they both were kind of, and I think they'll always be sort of uh, attached to the hip a little bit, him and Bolds. Bolds kind of brings you out of your seat. You know, he's one of those guys. Marco's just subtle. He just kind of does it, keeps mm-hmm. doing that, keeps done, does things right. And he's a very, very good offensive player, but he's every bit as good defensively. He's a really good penalty killer. He's good on the power play. He's learning. He's got to make, he's got to get stronger, which is natural. He's 20 years old. His body has not begun to mature. The strength will really help him uh, 
play inside the game and be able to separate and create open ice for himself. And from there, he has the intelligence and the process to make the right plays, but he's got to, it's going to help him get there. So that's part of the process. That's part of his maturity physically, but the mind is there. And then he's got to make some harder plays. He has a tendency to make soft plays. They get cut in the American League. They definitely get cut in the National Hockey League. Little soft plays. He's going to make it a little bit harder. He's got to lean on his shot a little bit more. He's more than capable. He's just had some some habits where he can get a little bit light with that. So we stay on him hard about making harder plays. That's just going to come as he begins to develop. Those would be sort of the areas that we want to, as we go into the summer, that we want him to improve on. But he's a very good hockey player. Had a terrific rookie there. I was really hoping he was right up in the top three at one point for rookie scoring. And when they vote in the American Hockey League, they vote for the top three guys are going to be the three forwards unless there's a D in there. And I was really hoping he could maintain it beyond mm-hmm. the all-rookie team. But uh, So I was disappointed in that. But uh, just from his perspective, because he had a terrific year, and he played so many minutes for us, and, and we relied on him. And like we were just talking about with Connor, you know, we didn't – when the season started, we were going to go – you know, it was Connor and Marco. That was 1-2. And when Connor came up, when Connor got hurt, and then when Connor came up – we didn't have that one-two for him. He assumed a lot of responsibilities, mm-hmm. and our centers didn't slot where we really wanted them to. We had mm-hmm. guys that should be on our third and fourth line playing up. So when you look at Marco, when 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 Connor was there, when Stalzi played four games with us, when even when Rasky was there for ten games, it was a good combination. It helped Marco, and our, our record reflected it with those three guys playing with Marco. We were mm-hmm. twenty-nine and four. So I, I think he assumed a lot of responsibility as a twenty-year-old. He's a very good three-zone player that can play on both sides of the puck. He's a point producer, but he's also a reliable defensive How, um, you know, you always have to deal with the dynamic of players that want to be here. How did he handle probably the realization that, that he was not going to get to play here this year? He was outstanding. Yeah. He, he is very mature for a 20-year-old. Mentally, he's extremely mature. And he understood that was the best thing for him. Uh, to play in Des Moines and and to play a lot of minutes and 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 to play in a lot of different situations. That's how his game's going to grow. He came up, he played the two games here, and he played really well. And, and uh, he did a great job. But it was better for him to play in all those situations. And everybody everybody wants mm-hmm. to play in the NHL. That's why they're in it. Mm-hmm. Becky, whoever it happens to be, they all want to play here. Shawzy, Chafe, they all want to play here. Uh, Rousey. But for young guys to play those kind of minutes in the American Hockey League helps springboard their career. It's, it, it, it's, it's like dog years, and you add mm-hmm. years to it because it's so so important for them to, to get that exposure and to play in all those situations. And so I'll give you an example. We were in Colorado. We played two of our best games of the year in Colorado. We got nothing to show for it. Greg Cronin said to me after the series, he said, no one has come in. He's the coach in Colorado. He said, no one has come into Colorado at this altitude and put the pressure on us that you guys did. Mm-hmm. So we get the game, too. There's 25 seconds to go in the game, and uh, we're, we're 2-2. So now we just let's, – let's get the puck. Let's get the overtime. We were in our own end. It came up the boards to Marco. He didn't get it. He didn't get it out, and it came right down as a short ice two on one. They beat Jonesy with the shot, and they won the game. We didn't get a point for it. And those are important. Those are important games in a sense that yeah, when those you keep you at five hundred. Yeah. Just by a game, yeah. you get to overtime, you stay at five hundred because it was based on points percentage this year. Or even if it's on points, it gives you an extra point. You get a chance to win in overtime. And we played so well. So he's got to learn that. And mm-hmm. then we looked at it when we came back. So it was a Saturday night. We came back Monday. We looked at it. And I said, "Listen, it's better you made the mistake here." Than yeah. in Minnesota, yeah. that's what you're going to learn. Now, don't make it again. Yeah. But you know, you understand. You got he he had a chance to poke it by, and he kind of jumped by, hoping kind of get get it the by break the deal, right. get a two on one, yep. and they cut it, and it went in. And I said, so now you you know this is what we talk about playing inside the game, playing inside of bodies, inside of hips and hands. So those mm-hmm. are the lessons that they learn in the American Hockey League, and 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 that's what, and that's where as coaches we have to be patient with them. We have to give them that opportunity. You don't get that here. Here mm-hmm. it's it's win at all costs. Yeah. So you learn those type of things. So when he's in that so later in the year when he's in those situations, he made better plays. Mm-hmm. When he's playing in Minnesota eventually, he'll understand that will be something that will be in the back yeah. of his mind. He'll make the right Has play. Has he uh, started playing with you here, skating with you here? He's yet? not skating okay, right now. He's battling it. injury late in the mm-hmm. year. Um, right now, so he hasn't skated. He's healing. There's no rush for him to skate right now. Right with with uh, with the big wild, everybody's healthy. We've got mm-hmm. uh, you know Connor and Nick Bukestad are both out right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, so they got 14 forwards. So we don't feel a rush. Let him heal. Yeah. Let him let him get him. Let him get his, you know, his, his get feel good yeah. before we put him back out. Um, nice. Granted, you're not Bill Guerin, but uh, do you think that 
what the full year in the minors will give him the ability to make the team out of camp, or do you think he needs more time? I think he'll have an opportunity at it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think now you see how he does over the next four months. You know, he gets putting an on the strength. Put it, yes, the strength's the key for him right mm-hmm. now. Uh, like I said, as a hockey player goes, he's got a great mind for the game, with and without the puck. Mm-hmm. That's why his numbers are so good offensively right. and defensively. That's why he can kill. Pen- he's a really good penalty mm-hmm. killer. Needs to improve on faceoffs. That's an element of he's got the he's got the skill. He's got the hand quickness to do it, but he doesn't have the strength yet. Mm-hmm. Against, and that's good. You learn against big centers, good centers mm-hmm. in the American Hockey League before you get here. So that's got to improve the strength. I think over the next four months will be really important for him. If he doesn't play at some point here during the playoffs, it will be really good to to have a summer to train, to build off the year, and then see where he comes back in September. Mm-hmm. The strength is the key for him because right. that will allow him to play inside hips and hands. That allows him to, once he separates and he can pull away from defenders, He's he's going to make plays. He's he's going to make plays in open ice, but he's got to continue to get there. And I think, like I said, the other piece of it is making harder plays in those situations because the defenders at this level, both forwards and defensemen, they cut everything. Anything soft, they cut. And not only do they cut it, it's going back the other way really quickly. So I think we'll we'll, we'll talk about that with him in his exit interview. It's the same themes and things that we've talked about, looked at video all year long. Mm-hmm. But I think if he comes back stronger with the year he's had, I think he's got every opportunity to make the team coming mm-hmm. out of camp. What do you, uh, Kyle the Thrill asks, what do you think his ceiling is? That's a really interesting question. Uh, what where you think he's going to be? Uh, you know, you know how I like to sort of say what mm-hmm. type of players, guys. I thought Bolds. I use Miko Rantanen sort of as right. a. I, I kind of see a little bit of Paul Statsny mm-hmm. in, in Marco, like wow. a really good, smart, can play in all sorts of situations. Paul was really subtle. Yeah, you know, Paul's genius in his, is in his salty. Like I said, Bold's is genius as he takes you out of your sh- seat. You see it. Marco's a little bit more subtle. He's like, did I just, that just happen? He's always making the right play. It's always he's in the right spot all the time. Mm-hmm. Paul was that way. I coached Paul in, in Colorado, and he was that way. I coached, coached Paul at the World Championships as well. And Paul was that way. So I, at this stage, I kind of see that kind of player that can play in any situation. You can rely on any of the three zones. He's as good. Uh, offensively, he's as good defensively as he is offensively, but he makes uh, everybody, he's a pure center. Mm-hmm. He makes everybody around him better. Paul's a better goal scorer than people think he's. He's got a better shot than people think he has. That's why he's, you know, he's, he's got 800 points in his, in his, in his career right now. So I, I see that a little bit in Marco right now just because he's just, he's, he's a guy that can play in all sorts of situations and he can excel in all sorts of situations. And like your classic centerman, he makes everybody better around him. Mm-hmm. That's based on where we're at today. After his first year, I think he's going to make a big jump because, like I like we talked about, and you've talked about it a lot. He missed all last year. That's huge for a young guy at that age to miss a full year. And and not only did he miss a year, he had he had a scary health issue as well. And so I think now with a good summer for Marco. Uh, that strength is going to be there. I think we're going to see him make a big mm-hmm. jump. But that's the kind of player I see him right now. Paul's had a terrific career, and I, I really see that Marco's going to be one of those guys that you can rely on offensively and defensively in any situation. Yeah. Um, Matt Boldy, did you, you – I'm sure you're watching that game in uh, Boston as NHL debut, scores the winning goal in his hometown, your childhood team. Uh, did you figure – he doesn't get he he's with this team ten straight games and they got a point in every single one. I mean, did you figure you weren't seeing him again? Yeah, I didn't think we were gonna see him again. <laughs> not not the way he started. Yeah. You know, when he went up, I honestly when he went up, I didn't think we'd see him again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when once he got in and he you saw him play in Boston and then he strung a couple games together, you know, we, we were not gonna see him in yeah. that. And then uh at one point Mike uh Billy had said Mike had said that uh, Billy had said, you know, don't count him. Yeah, Mike back. Murray or GM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike Mike had said Mike Murray had said, you know, he's not coming back and and Billy's going to tell him to get a place and so on and so <laughs> forth. So, uh, no, I, I, I didn't. He was ready at that point. Uh, you know, he had, and we talked about it, 18 points in 14 games last year. Right. And this year he had 10 points in nine, really it was nine games because he got hurt against Chicago about four minutes into a game. So the 10th game he didn't really yeah. even play. So it, 10 And that points, game he was supposed to get called up after. It was game, likely, yeah. you know, Billy yeah. had come down to watch. And yep. so he got hurt. So he really had 10 points in nine games. So it's it's 28 points in 23 games in the American Hockey League. That, that's, a, that's a pretty good clip. He, he's a 20-year-old. Yeah, and, and, and a number of chances he didn't finish. A number of chances that people didn't finish for him. So uh, I didn't, uh, yeah, I, I didn't. When we told him in Winnipeg, I didn't think we'd see him again. 
Uh, and then once I saw him, especially in Boston, I'm like, no, he can play. And then he's strong a couple games together. We won't see him. And that's, <laughs> and that's a good thing. Yeah. Hey, we'd love to love to have Connor Dewar back. Love that. But I, I always say to them when they go up, I always say, I hope we don't see you again. Yeah, we'll yeah. welcome you back if you come <laughs> yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. But we, I hope I don't. Well, I hope we don't see you again. And that's the really the way we felt. And yeah. and that was uh, that was yeah, it was great to see him play in Boston that night. And you know, I, we're like we're like parents when they, you know, it's like I feel like their dad when they go because you know they go up and you want them to be ready, you want them to play well. So it's just like watching when you're watching your own son play or your son or your own daughter play. Uh, you, you're watching and you're and you're. You're watching in, and you're watching the game. You're like, make that play, or you know, you know, you've been out there too long. Get off the ice. Don't get stuck on the ice. You yeah. watch it like that because you want them to do. You know, honestly, you want them to do so well. But yeah, in Bolts' case, he, he was ready. Uh, he was dominant. Uh, he's he's a talent as he as he, and he's had a great likely mm-hmm. likely had he played the whole year here. Now he needed the time in the American League because he had a camp that didn't go as well as expected. So he really needed the time. So I want to preface that he really needed the time to come in. And when he came down, what we talked about was let's get you back feeling the puck again and mm-hmm. getting back to feeling the game, trusting yourself, getting a lot of touches. That's where your game's going to evolve. So let's get you back to that. And he needed the time. But I would say from the time he got called up, mm-hmm. if you picked a rookie of the year from the time he got called up, I think he'd have a good shot at yeah. a rookie of the year in the NHL. He'd yeah, that good. no doubt about it. Um, let's talk Adam Beckman. Um, you know, obviously Wild fans were so excited about him after his training camp. He had four goals and um, looked like he was very, very close to being an NHLer. Um, he had such a good start to his AHL career last year when he came in on the on the ATO after after being a stud in the, in juniors. What um, tell me about his season and why maybe didn't he produce as much as a lot of people expected? And it felt like you were playing in a check and roll at some point. Well, he wasn't in a check and roll. We tried to put him with people that we felt would make him feel comfortable. For instance, mm-hmm. all right. So it wasn't a checking role. We we don't really. We have expectations for everyone. The only, like when we end up with playing with Cody and and uh, and Brandon Baddock and Dom Turgeon, that was like a tempo line. That was yeah. sort of as your and your rotation, your fourth line. But they played as a tempo line. But we don't really do that. I tried to put him with the right people. He's 20 years old. He's six to 180 pounds. He's light. Right. And he's not strong yet. Mm-hmm. And 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 you know that happens. And I've seen it over the years. I've seen players come in and sort of surprise in training camp. So it changes the expectation of that particular mm-hmm. player. We talked about this b- before. Say of the three guys, forwards, Bolts had the highest expectations. He had the most pressure on him coming into camp. Right. And 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 then Marco. And Becky was sort of yeah, under the like radar. A, yeah, it was like a surprise. So it was a little yeah. bit different. So yeah. he didn't he wasn't dealing with the weight of the expectations of the other two guys. That's mm-hmm. the reality of it. And he had a good camp. Uh, but, you know, that's still – a little bit different. It can be a little bit deceiving. He did produce. He did have a good camp, but it can be a little bit deceiving. You can see the holes in players' games that they need, and that's over the course of a 72-game season in the American Hockey League. It's gonna, it's gonna play itself out. It's just the right, reality of, of it. Course. He's 20 years old, and he did. He played. If you look at his numbers before we went back to Spokane last year with us, he was he had good numbers, but they were all at home. He wasn't, his numbers from road to home, his splits were drastically different. Mm-hmm. They were two ends of the spectrum. He came back at the end and played two games for us against Texas, and he played, and he played well. It certainly was a different American League, too. Yeah. This was the real American League right. this year, you know. So there's men there. You're playing against tough, physical men, both up front and the back end. But I, th- it was a really good year for Becky, uh, and, and, and because – He's learning. It's a process. He's going to be a really good player. It doesn't have to be in the NHL today. He's 20. He's going to be he if he's in the NHL in 23, well that's that's if it's two or three years, that's a good thing. There's no rush to get him there. He has to be ready when the time comes. And so uh it's 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 the it's the process. And everybody everybody goes about it differently. This was a good year to play at this level. He played every game and you know, not every game because he was up for a little bit, but every game that he was eligible to play, he played. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so he got exposure to where he needs to elevate his game and adjust his game. So we talk about all the offensive guys. And, yeah, Bolts was a little more advanced. Marco was too. 
And and that doesn't mean Becky's not going to play here and not going to be a good player. It's just going to take him maybe a little. Maybe he's mm-hmm. just a little bit behind right now. But it's going to come. You can still do if you come out of college and you're a big point producer or a major junior or from a European league. You can still. You have the talent to still produce. But you got to go about it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. You got to do things a little bit quicker. So you've got to play inside the game a little bit more. You got to play on the right side of the puck a little bit more. And that's all the things that you learn. So for Becky, uh, it's you know what some of the things that we talked about was his strengths. Again, he's twenty. He's not a man yet. He he's still a boy physically. And what's he going to be like when he's twenty four and his body begins to mature? We're going to have a really good hockey player. He's going to play here, and he's going to be a really good player. It's going to be a little bit of a process, mm-hmm. but he can get overrun. He can, he has at times difficulty separating because of the strength factor, because of the ability of older, stronger defenders to eliminate it, take his ice away. So the strength's going to help him. But for him, it's playing on the right side of the puck, playing inside the hips and hands. But the strength, the strength gives you the confidence to do that. Mm-hmm. And then the same thing, once he can get in there and he can eliminate pucks and he can begin to separate uh, from defenders, the ice is going to develop for him, and he's, 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 a, he's a very talented offensive player. But mm-hmm. what he could get away with in junior, where he could be on the wrong side of it and pick somebody's stick and go back the other way, you can't do that here. If you get the wrong side of it in the offensive zone, it's coming right back at right. you, three on two yeah. or two on one. So to do things a little bit quicker. So strength is a part of the process. Playing inside of hips and hands, uh, will allow him to break from defenders. He's got a he's a good shooter. He's a natural goal scorer, but he's got to get it off a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. And he's got to hit his spots a little bit more. So we talked to him about, you know, releasing the puck a little bit quicker, but also becoming a better shooter. So what we suggested to him was you go home, you go on the ice, you take a pile of pucks, you take some different situations in the offensive zone, and you hit a certain spot. You envision a goalie's in there, and you hit a spot, and you hit a spot, and you hit a spot, and it becomes muscle memory. So when you get in that situation in the game, you're shooting for a spot. And and so that will make him a better shooter, whereas you kind of get in there, all of a sudden you're surprised you're in there, and you put one, and you bury it in the crest right now. Mm-hmm. He's a good shooter. He's got a good shot. He scored some really nice goals for us. He's going to do that. But he's got to just do things a little bit quicker. So, you know what? It was it was a really good year. He no, by no means did he play. We tried to fit him with the right guys. He wasn't in a checking role. Mm-hmm. He played really well with Cody McLeod. Yeah. Because Cody gave him a little bit of Room. physical confidence. Yeah. Exactly. So he played really well. Like he played really well for a stretch year when we, when we had a lot of call-ups and we had our own injuries. Mm-hmm. He played with Nate Soucis. And Cody McLeod, he played extremely well because Cody creates space for him. Mm-hmm. So, but and and then you know, so we worked out. We we try to put him in situations where, yeah, uh, the guys that he played with gave him some space to play. Mm-hmm. And and he's gonna make a he's gonna make a big jump. He'll be a different player in September because of this experience. Uh, good segue here. Uh, somebody asked about Cody McLeod. Um, uh, Cody McLeod is still lacing him up. This is according to the Twitter. Um, do you have stories about him? Is he coming back? Uh, and and him wearing the C in Iowa, true character of the game. My my, my gut says the Wild uh, figure out a way to hire him in some sort of capacity because it seems like he is essentially like a captain down there. He and he is, and he's a fantastic. I coached him for almost nine years. I had him mm-hmm. six years in Colorado, right to the trade deadline when he went to Nashville, and then and then I, the three years here. So I've, I've coached him more than I coached any other player. Almost five hundred games or over five hundred games. I coached him of of his thousand plus. Uh, fantastic individual, uh, a great teammate. He looks after everyone. Guys absolutely love him. I saw Brandon Duhame yesterday over at Tria, and the first thing he asked me, how's Mac? Yeah. So you can tell he has that sort of impact on, yeah. on our young guys, and he gives them some space. And he's still, go, he's still playing like he did when he broke in in Colorado. There's, there's, no, there's no foot off the gas, and, and that's good. He practices that way. He plays that way. He's great in the locker room. We were a better team when he played. He gave. We were younger this year than we have been in the three previous years. Well, last year we were a little bit younger, but that was a different year. Everybody was a little Everybody, bit younger. Yeah, we, Everybody you, was a little bit younger. Half the guy was on the taxi squad. Yeah, in the three pure American yeah. League seasons, this was the youngest team we had. Mm-hmm. And he provides an element that makes them comfortable to play. And, yeah. and, it's, and it's important. You have to have that space. Yeah. So, fantastic guy. Yeah, I think he'd like to segue maybe into – Getting into hockey mm-hmm. on the other side of it, yeah, I think he'd be willing to play again. 
but I think he's at a point in his career now if yeah. he could if he could start to get into the other side of the game, Mentoring the non play the yeah. non playing side. I think he would love to do Makes that. Sense. He was great I'm, with our kids. I'm glad Wild fans are hearing this too because I I, I don't know Cody McLeod, but Wild fans, you know those Avalanche Wild yes. uh, things. They remember the whole Stefan Veu uh, yes. battles yes. with McLeod. So obviously he um, ran Spurgeon here one night too. I I yeah. was coaching. It was my first year coaching here yeah, in, that in was, uh, Colorado. That yeah. was really scary. Yeah, but I remember. So I'll tell you a funny story. So that was the whole. Do you remember the whole Patrick Waha incident with me? Yeah, yeah. I wrote that column. Yes, and yes. He thought yes. that I was trying to get Cody McLeod killed. And yes, yes. Not, I but think it was a little overboard. It was a little bit of emotion. But when yeah. we played in the in the playoffs here in 2014, I was telling Bomber this the other night in the playoffs. You can't watch the other team pregame skate. So I used to sneak into that hockey lodge restaurant <laughs> over there, and I'd peek through the hole and try and watch and see who maybe was who was dressed and who was hurt, <laughs> what was going on. And Barma was laughing the other night. So I, I I too was on both sides of those abs and and wild uh, wild games. But yeah, <laughs> Cody uh, Cody is a is a it's, it's such an intangible that is such an important element for our young guys to, yeah. to see what it takes to be a pro. Yeah, no doubt. No, that's that's cool uh, and. Yeah, I've I've learned this since he's you know again I don't know Cody at all, but I've learned this from talking to so many of the wild players that have come up from Iowa, just what they think of him and the respect level. So that's pretty neat. You know, the one thing you said about how when Raskin Stahl was up and how it finally gave you some centers, I get the impression that this off season um, you're going to probably get a little older. Do you, do you think that you need that 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 you're going to spend some money this this summer on players and and uh, obviously again you're not the GM but I get the impression there's going to be some free agent pickups for you guys to to support some of the young kids that you're going to have down there probably in the middle yeah because exactly. we're kind of loaded center, on the out yeah. we're loaded up on the outside yeah. like you so need centers we need centers so Marco's the, you know Marco's the, where, where does Marco start mm-hmm. or, or or so forth so you know uh, depending on how he does in camp where does he start coming out of camp and so forth but beyond that we don't have any other centers yeah. everybody else. Are wingers. Mm-hmm. So you look at Shawzy, Chafe, Swains, who had both Chafe and Swains have grown tremendously. Shawzy has two over four years. Uh, Kramer's back. Uh, now we've got um, Damian Giroux's back, but he's more of a wing now. Uh, I don't know. Novak. Miss, Novak, we just signed. First off, we just signed. So we've and got Henches. Henches, they're all wingers. Yeah. They're all wingers. So it's the middle. So I think, I think we'll actually be younger. And then we're going to have Rorke. Um, we're going to have Simon Johansson. Mm-hmm. And then we got uh, Damon Hunt. So we've got three young D mm-hmm. as well. So I think we'll actually be a bit younger. Uh, and then likely the goalie, the, the, the goal, one of the goalie spots will mm-hmm. be for a young for one of our young goalies. So I think overall will be a bit younger. Do you I, expect Wallstead up? I think that I think there's a chance that he'll be with mm-hmm. us. Yeah, I kind yeah. of expect that he'll yeah. be with us next year. Which you know? I'm sure will be. I mean, Zane came in and seemed to play great for you. Outstanding. But you need you. The Wild need to develop. Uh, yeah. you know, some young goalies. I'm yeah. sure for you, right? And he's an exciting prospect. So I, I mean, management will ultimately make that decision. As I sort of plan, yeah. I sort of plan that he'll he'll be with yeah. us. Um, we'll see what happens with management. But it, so from there. We'll, we'll, and we got Mermis, Mermy back and Joey Hicketts back. Mm-hmm. So we got to sign a couple veteran D, and the, but it's the middle, I think, where right. you'll see us get a little bit older in the middle. And we need some right shots. Yeah. We didn't have – only Kalen was our only right shot yeah. D. And, Which, and by the way, you didn't just mention, so do you expect him to be here? I think I have a good chance to play, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and and Kalen, Kalen played as from the la- – when, when he came back to us the last time, Right up to that Rockford game, the last, which was a one-off. We, our guys, when they came in the rink the next day after Manitoba lost to Texas, it, I could see them coming in. There was no music; mm-hmm. they were dead. And I tried everything to have them ready that night. It was. I think if we had an extra night to play, we would have been a different team. But that right coming right on the heels of the of it being over, we just weren't ready. It wasn't a great game for anybody, Kalen included. But from the time he came back to us through the Rockford game in Rockford, it's the best hockey he played. Right. It's the best hockey he played. He's improving defensively. Um, he's engaging more. He's he's engaging to his strength, his mm-hmm. quickness and his stick. He's got to he's got to. We talk about you got to play like an Adam Fox. You got to play like a Quinn Hughes. You got to play like those guys. You're not going to overrun players, but you got to trust your legs, your mm-hmm. mobility, and your stick work, and get into guys early. Yeah. It's all about playing defense early. And and he and he and he has improved. And uh, and of course, with the puck, you look at his numbers. If he played a full year in the American League, he'd have been. Brennan Manel was 55 points a couple of years ago. Kalen would have been 55 points this year in the American League as a D. He would have had a chance to make, you know, first league all-star. I, that hasn't come out yet. But, you know, if he played 
65 games, I think Kalen would have had 50 plus points, which mm-hmm. is a huge year for a defenseman. He was in the mid 30s, in the 30 points, and 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 this year. So, uh, offensively, he's learned how to run your power play, how to how to how to manage the power play, not only but manage it and initiate. It's two different mm-hmm. things for a defenseman on the, on the power play. Whenever he's on the ice, we have the puck. Offensively, whether coming out of run through the neutral zone and the offensive zone, he's dynamite. Uh, he played with Joe. They were a really good pair, a dynamic mm-hmm. pair. But he, most importantly for him, he made strides defensively. So I think with a good summer, and, and we could see him here at some point, just like we did last year against Vegas, we, we could see him at some point here uh, during the playoffs. But uh, I think he's going to be in a really good place in September, mm-hmm. and he'll push to make the team out of you camp. M- you mentioned Sweeney. Uh, Wild fans obviously love him, local guy. You know, great up at Duluth. Uh, how was his year? Really good. Mm-hmm. And he's grown a lot. He came in, had a little small sample with us last year, played really well. But this year, and, and, he, and he got hurt like Chafe. He and Chafe missed a lot of time, the both of them. And, and that hurt us, too. Not only did we call those kind of injuries impacted us a bit as well, but uh, as, as Chafe did, uh, Swain's really tracked in the right way. He is a fantastic kid. Um, and, and, and go back to Marco. Marco wants to learn. So Marco is very, very coachable, and he wants to get better. So you bring him in, you watch video with Marco. These are the things we want you to keep working on. This is where you need to get create more ice for yourself. He sees it, gets it, he goes out and works on it. Swain's is the same type of kid. Awesome. And he had out, 16 goals. Mm-hmm. It's a really good year. And uh, same thing. He, 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 he engages. He will sometimes get uh, uh, he will sometimes get overrun because of his size, but he's going to get stronger as well. It's his rookie year. Uh, he's going to get he, he but he's going to get stronger. But he is he does engage. He mm-hmm. gets inside of of the game. He's very smart. Uh, he's good defensively. He'll block shots, uh, and he's got a good stick. And, and mm-hmm. the only thing with him, we you know when he when he goes through a little dry spell, we say him got to get to net, get to get yeah. to net, and he gets to net. And he scores. He scores down around the net. He's got a good nose around the net. He can make plays. He plays. Uh, he's really good in the bumper and the power play. He can make, play the net front in the power play. He kills some penalties. Uh, he's 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 a very good hockey player who's who's tracking in the right direction. The stronger he gets, it's going to add. It's only going to add. It's only going to elevate his game. Uh, he really had a really good year for us, and we were able to move him around the lineup and did some different situations. And at the end, when we when we played our best hockey. Uh, you know, we had him with Chafe and, and uh, Marco, and it was a really good, it was mm-hmm. a really, really good line. Really yeah. good line. Um, Wild Boys, that's the most bizarre story that you've dealt with in the AHL. Didn't you guys have some major, like, yeah. COVID weird stuff we this some, year? Like, didn't, like, uh, like your PR guy had to drive the, like, tr- the equipment truck somewhere? Like, uh, there was some crazy. Well, we got, so when Bolds and those guys, Bolds and Marco went from Manitoba to, to Boston, uh, to play, we had guys that day test. We had staff test positive. Uh-huh. So they were out. So Keaton Thompson tested positive. Uh, uh, Gavin Bechtel, one of our, our equipment uh, guys, he tested positive. Um, so those guys had to make their way. They had to stay in a separate hotel and drive back to Des Moines. Mm-hmm. We got to Grand Rapids, shaky. Shaky tested, uh, the head equipment guy, Shaky tested positive. Matt Hart, our strength coach, tested positive. Uh, Nolan Yachman tested positive. Keith Paulson, our video coach, tested positive. Richard Bachman, it was me and Nate DeCasmero on the bench. And we had to get Johnny, our third guy in Des Moines, we, number one, we had to get Hunter Jones's gear to Boston. That's that the was story the goofy I heard. thing. We had to get, that was my mistake because Hunter, coming out of Christmas, Jonesy, Joey Hicketts, and, and Doyle Summerby, who eventually never played a game with us. We traded him before he met up with us. They all tested positive coming out of Christmas. So they were going to meet us in Grand Rapids. So we went to Manitoba for two, and then we were going to Grand Rapids. Uh-huh. So what I said, that's shaky. Let's take his gear. He can't skate anyway. Let's take his gear. So we just cut out the middleman of him taking on a commercial flight. We'll know it gets there. Well, the worst thing happened was we had issues here, and we had to get Jonesy's gear to Boston. Right. Now, Shaky's out. Gavin's out. And we had to, and we had to get Johnny. We had no equipment people with us. Uh, Manitoba was helping us. Grand Rapids was helping us. We ended up going to Chicago. They helped us, but we had to get Johnny to get Hunter's gear to Boston and then back to Grand Rapids so we had our own equipment person in, 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 the, in the room. And it was just me and Nate. And, and, and that was it. And then we had Masa and Max, our two trainers, and that was all we had for staff. 
That was all we had for staff. So it was those kind of things. We had a lot of really goofy things. More this year than the year before. Just the recent game against uh, Grand Rapids uh, at home. It was really an elimination game. We had one in Milwaukee in overtime. We came home to play Grand Rapids. We were going back to Grand. We were we had played Grand Rapids in Milwaukee. Then we were going to play Texas the two games, and uh, we ran into an issue where Cody had a bad back going to the game. So we had Nate Susis come and first he come and Vladdy come to the game to have guys ready. Well, as it turned out, uh, Barb's didn't feel well. So they tested him and Barb's was positive. So uh. we had to get Barb's out of the ring, Derek Barabo. So we had to bring Joel Rumpel and it's the back called Joel at home. <laughs> this is about five of six warm is at six thirty. We got to get Joel uh, Rumps in because he's going to back up Mac. But then what happens is, um, Turge had a head cold earlier in the morning. So unbeknownst to me, they test Turge. And he, te- he had tested negative in the morning. They test him, he tests positive. So they come to me at 6.10. They come to me and they say, Turge is out. I said, what do you mean Turge is out? Well, we test him, he tested positive. I said, you're kidding me. You know, so I, I, honestly, I wasn't happy about it, quite yeah, frankly. Yeah. I was, because <laughs> Connor's up, yeah. and now Turge is out. So we... we um, so now my, I just turned away from it was it was Doc Herman who I love Doc Moss and Max I, and but now it's it's 15, 12 minutes to warm ups I got to figure out what's going on so I just kind of walk away from them and I'm like I got to go to my board in my room I got to look at what we're gonna do so I go in the room the music's bla- blasting the guys are all get up to play Turj is gone now so I say uh, I say to Seuss um, you're going in you're gonna play uh, you're gonna play in the middle um, with Becky. And Damien, and I go, Vladdy, you're playing left wing with Marco and Chafe. And the whole room erupted. Let's go. They're all Max going, let's go. Let's go. The music's blasting. Sure not, we went out and won the game. But wow. some really, it was, yeah, it's, it's a very non-traditional year. And a lot of that stuff sort of happened over the court. A lot of different things yeah. like that happened. And you got to think on your feet. That's yeah. the American Hockey League. you got to yeah. think on your feet. So let me ask you. I mean, so you're 59. You've coached college in Providence. You've, you've uh been in the NHL too on NHL benches. Like how how much how much longer can you deal with this? Getting on buses. I love it. You do. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Uh-huh. So and I feel good, like I said. So I feel I think so you every, don't mind getting on that bus. I love the bus. Really? I love the bus. I love the bus. I don't like the sleeper bus because we don't use the sleeper. We don't use the cots and the seats aren't that comfortable. So when you go to Grand Rapids seven hours and or after a game and you're, you're working on your computer, your, your back is a little bit achy when you get in the <laughs> next day. But uh, no, I like the bus. I, I, I love coaching. Um, and I, I, yeah, there's nothing better than there's nothing better than coming in the rink in the morning, whether it's a game mm-hmm. or a practice day, the excitement and the energy. I love practice. I love teaching. Um, I love what we do before and after and skill work. I love the general, the regular practices with there. I just love it. You know, game nights, a mm-hmm. rush. And uh, I, I love it. I love the travel. And, and, and uh, yeah, and, and you, you want to, I want to win. I want to have success in Des Moines. That's your own, your own competitive nature. But you take a lot of pride in guys coming here. And having success, we had twelve guys play here this yeah. year. You know, eight first first. We, we include Brandon in that. Eight guys played their first NHL. Do we one uh, played their first NHL games? Eight of them. Do we two? That 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 group. And then we I had don't four think Dewey guys. Do we one was even a healthy scratch this season? No, I don't or, think yeah, he was. Crazy. He had a really good year. Yeah. And then we had Rousey, Addy, Murmy, and Kramer each. You know, play a little bit, and you know they played here before. So we had twelve. And you know, I think about that Boston game. We we're coming off. We're, I think we're in the middle of a six-game non-winning streak. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Winter Classic didn't go our way. Mm-hmm. And it was a thin lineup going into Boston. And Kirill got hurt in the second. Yep. That was a huge win yep. in Boston. Yep. And that's a pretty darn good team, the Bruins. And a and lot of our guys off. were there. Yeah. And then we rattled it off. So take a lot of pride in that. Yeah. Or, or, you know, or even at the end of the year when Chafe went in 
and Brandon, Dewey one, Dewey two, and Chafall played together, and we just clinched playoffs, and we were probably a little bit flat. Montreal was a, those are the worst teams to play anyway late in the year. The yeah, teams yeah. that don't play, they're the worst teams. Yeah. I'd rather play a team that's fighting for something. And we went and won two nothing. But tonight, Bolt stuck that one through his feet. But those guys played really well, and it was a big win. And then in, when went into Nashville late, Kramer came in. Connor had a really good game. And, and so, you know, that was a big win. So when you look at it. Connor was great that It was game. great that yeah. night. And when you look at it that night, mm-hmm. you go, okay, those wins gave us the opportunity to have game seven at home in the first no round. Doubt. And it's huge. Mm-hmm. And I think it's more, I think game seven is more important in the first round than any mm-hmm. other round. Because once you get through a round, you sort of build confidence. I think you're comfortable playing anywhere once you get yep. through that first round. But I think at home, it's huge. So we're proud of those guys being able to help maintain what was going so well here mm-hmm. and maybe helped and contributed to some big wins that put us in a position now. If we do have to go to game seven, I think we're going to win it in six. But if we go to game yeah. seven, then, you know, we'll have home ice here. A good segue on your pro- Right. Uh, somebody asked um, if you could ask Tim um, about his thoughts on players that you've previously previously coached that are now doing amazing in the playoffs, and, and you know whether it's the Wild or elsewhere. How much pride do you take of that? You know, you mentioned your time in Colorado, and that you got to see the you know a lot of these guys. Uh, you know, they're still in the league. You coached McKinnon when he was yes. a young stud. Yes. Um, you know, you, how much pride do you take in watching for the rest of their careers, guys that you had made an impact on? You hope you had, yeah. You hope mm-hmm. you had an impact. You, you are really proud of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I still I watch the abs closely. I was there for six years, so mm-hmm. Mandy. Landy was there, Amico, uh, Mac, you know, and I love to see those guys, JT Confer. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like to think I had something to do when they were all breaking in to help them lay a foundation uh, as a springboard for, mm-hmm. their career. I had, uh, for their career. I had Tyson Jost when he broke in, when he came out of North Dakota and played the end of that yep. 2017 year. And I just saw Josty, uh, I saw him yesterday over at Tria, and it was great to see him, gave him a big hug. So, uh, you know, you know, you, you know, yeah, I enjoy seeing those guys, and you hope you had a, you had a little bit of something to do with their progress as as professionals. Even Sturmy, watching Sturmy play right. in Colorado. So, I, you know, uh, Eric Johnson in Colorado. So guys like that that are around the league, yeah, I, I do take a lot of pride that maybe somewhere along there was something that we did mm-hmm. that helped them establish themselves in NA, as NHLers and then obviously propel themselves yeah. further. And, of course, the guys that have you know that we've had in, in Iowa that have come here and, and, and played, you know, you take a, a great deal of pride. And I watch guys around, you know, like Jerry Mayhew had a good run, you know, yeah. in Philly, good run in Anaheim, a lot of pride in that. Still watch guys like Cal, Sammy Annis, you know, really proud of those guys are not with us anymore. Really proud of the type of players that they were for us, and 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 hopefully that's continued because they're all still doing great things mm-hmm. uh, playing. Um, a couple more for you, and then we're going to go watch warm-ups. Uh, Hideki asks, uh, what does Alice Hovenoff need to do this offseason to have a full-time slot in Iowa's game day roster next season? Can he? I mean, He's got to get in shape. Yeah. It's it, up to him, Michael. I it's, mean, it's, it's, Michael, it's he up to him. It seems like it's Sokolov. It's up again. to him. It's up yeah. to him. He, he is an NHL talent. Mm-hmm. He He's tough. He'll 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 engage. He's physical. He hits like a freight train, and he's got NHL hands, an NHL shot, NHL scoring touch, an NHL sense of the game. Mm-hmm. But he's grossly out of shape, and that's mm-hmm. and, and and I I I can't cut it any other way. Yeah. And it's on him. It's up to him now. We we can do, you know. So as a coach, you these are things you wrestle. This is what keeps you awake at night. Uh, this is what you think about every day. How can you get the maximum out of players? Whether we're talking about Becky or Kalen or Marco, whoever it happens to be, or or, or Cody McLeod or, or or Brandon Baddock or Dakota Murmurs, how do we get the most out of them? And I think we provided a great opportunity for Kobe, and he and he was okay at times, but he managed himself at the American Hockey League grossly out of shape. Yeah. He has to. That's just and it's on him. You have to eat better. You have to get in the gym. You have to be committed to it. All the resources were there organizationally. Bomber and had, Bomber's had him since he was drafted yeah. in 2018. Well, I remember I did a podcast with John Torchetti a couple of years ago who had him in Moncton, and he basically said the same thing. You know, he was like, his pregame meal was a burger. Yeah. You know, like, so so. We, we had our exit. I'll tell you a story. I'm not afraid to tell. We had an exit exit meeting, and, and um, we had our exit meetings, and then I saw Covey. The next day, I was going into Hy-Vee. My wife and I were, we box our stuff up, put it in storage, and then we, we move into our place in, in September. Um, 
And, and, and so I went over to Hy-Vee to get some fruit. We were, Sue was working and I was trying that we were getting ready to pack some boxes because I was coming up here on Sunday. Sue mm-hmm. was going back home. And uh, I, went, I went and got a, a coffee at Starbucks. And I see there's a fireplace there. And I see, I, see, I go, I think that's Covey. And he had the big caramel blended drink with the whipped cream and the caramel. And he came over and I gave him a hug and we chatted. And, but, uh, and I didn't say anything to him. And he's going home. He's going home in a couple of days. But for me, yeah, it's a little not, story. Yeah. If you're going to be a hockey player, yeah. anybody else? They, you know, you look at all of our guys, their weights, their body fats, it was level all year. Yeah. I mean, it was right on. Most guys got a little bit better, but from camp to the end of the year, it's, it's, I mean, you could, it's on and yeah. every single one of them. And then, and, and really, I tell you that story, but that's a lifestyle that he's, yeah. we can't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, Matt Harder has got him in the gym. We got him on the ice. We work with the, our, our nutritionists. You know, we could order food for him. Everything was there. Yeah. And, but we can't babysit that. You yeah. have to commit yep. to it. If he commits to it, we have a talent. If he doesn't, he'll go the way of Soki. And yeah. honestly, and I said this to him as exit meeting, I'm speaking to you not as just your coach but as a dad. Don't be 45 years old and regret this because I'm going to tell yeah. you who you are. Because you're going to look at guys that have played 15 years in the NHL and have become elite players, maybe won Stanley Cups, maybe become all-stars, won individual trophies, likely made a lot of money because of it. And if you're sitting back at home, never never scratching the surface of what your ability is, you're going to regret it yeah. because there was a time you were every bit as good as those guys. Yeah, that's what they did is they committed to it. And I said, mm-hmm. I'm telling you as your dad, this is my advice as your dad, mm-hmm. don't look back on your life with regrets because it's, it's the worst way to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good good message. That's definite. A couple more for you. Um, let me call this back up. Quite, really good question from Jenna Rett, uh, wants to know, um, how has it been working with the Baby Wild in Iowa City? Has, has uh, that been called the I-80 Speedway when players go back and forth? That's been really good. Yeah. And, and we had some guys that came in and played really well for us this year. Uh, it was good for our goalies to go in there and play when they weren't playing a lot of minutes or we were healthy in the position. Uh, Bryce Misley came in and played really well for us. Uh, Jerry Fleming's a great guy. We get along mm-hmm. extremely well. Uh, we're on the same page. Uh, so it, it was a good, it was a, it was a good, uh, it's been a great fit, obviously with the three of us so close proximity. Mm-hmm. I think it was a, it's a, it's a great developmental element from Coralville to Des Moines to St. Paul. And That's it's awesome. really good. Now, the one, the only thing I can say is my son coaches in Wheeling uh-huh. and they're in, the, they're playing Toledo tonight in the second round. They just beat Fort Wayne in the Der- seven Derek, game. Right? Derek. Yeah, yeah. So when I see, so I'm a little torn. I went to see him play. Um, I went in to see them play. I got to see them once in Corville. So that's kind of a hard one for me when uh, when Wheeling plays them. Other than that, we're all dialed in. I think it was Derek that I met uh, after one of your playoff games. It was, yeah, yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, two more for you, uh, Tim, uh, and I appreciate the time right before a playoff game. Uh, Cade asks, um, who is one guy that no one talks about in Iowa that we could see eventually playing in the NHL? That's a great question. I think we've kind of touched on yeah. a lot of guys right now. You know the one guy that we haven't talked about a lot is Mason Shaw. I mean, do you feel like he's that guy or, or no? I think Shaw Z is is progressing. Mm-hmm. And I think I think he can yes. I I I think Shaw Z. I actually think Shaw Z in some ways his I gotta preface his numbers are so good in the American Hockey League. But he'll tend to drift from the game a little bit. Mm-hmm. Whereas when he plays eight or nine minutes, he's completely dialed in. And in mm-hmm. some ways, his game is tighter mm-hmm. at the NHL than is the American League because he plays a lot of different minutes. He plays different minutes for us, and we rely on him a different way. But you'll see him more around the net. Whereas in Iowa, you might see him waiting up on the midboard or up by the blue line. We're mm-hmm. trying to get him to the net where he wouldn't do that here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his progress has been. Since his injury, this time, 2019, he's come a long way. The hitch has gone in his stride, and I think he played really well the three games that he played. Mm-hmm. He is somebody that's under the radar. I think the first step for Shawzy would be he's going to be a filler right now. I think he can come up if we run to some issues with our the, the bottom end of the forwards. He can come up, and I think he can give you 8 to 10 good, hard, physical minutes. Uh, he's, he's talented enough to produce some offense out of it. He'll play hard like he got in a fight in Buffalo, hit the post in San Jose. He can add a lot of elements. I think right now he can come up and give you 
uh, a, a really reliable handful of games mm-hmm. and a filler. And then I think the more he can do that and the more he can, he can create more traction at this level, then I think that would lead to being up here uh, maybe someday at full time. But I think he's got to do it in increments where a guy like Marco or Kalen, they could make the team and then run the table like Brandon and and never come back to us. Mm -hmm. Like Bolt, never come back to us. I think Shawzee, yeah, he's under the radar, very much under the radar. I think he's underappreciated. He can give you that type of hockey here. I think he'll do it in short spurts, and then maybe a little bit longer, I think he's going to have to prove that to become a full-time player in the NHL. That right. answers your question. Yeah, no doubt. Um, last question is a good one. Uh, your favorite Iowa, uh, your favorite Des Moines restaurants? Oh, uh, I like Americana, uh-huh. and, and we like the uh, Court Avenue Brewery. We go there every Thursday night uh, before, a ga- or before a game, and we get chicken sandwiches. Then we come home, usually the wild on. We watch the wild game. So uh, I think Americana is my favorite. But they just opened this Tupola, Tupola Grill. Just mm-hmm. It's like a southern, which was outstanding. But we, we're kind of low-key. So uh, we, we, like, um, we, like, uh, we like the Court Avenue uh, Brewery. And, uh, and we don't, I don't sit in the restaurant too much anymore just because I don't want to get sick. <laughs> Maybe next year we'll sit in the restaurants a little bit more. And there's a place that lives, and we live in the Equitable Building. There's a place called Marco's Pizza, best pizza in town. Really? Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the Hy-Vee. That's the best Hy-Vee that I've best, ever been it's at. It's the too. best Hy-Vee. No, Top notch. Yeah. I love Hy-Vee. Yeah, yeah. I get uh, mad at my wife. So if I'm a little bit late getting home from the rink, which often is the mm-hmm. case, she'll go to Hy-Vee on her own and do the shopping. I love the grocery mm-hmm. store, so I'll get mad. I say, Sue, why don't you wait for me? Well, I'm not going to wait till 7 o'clock for you to get home. So I went and got all the groceries. Mm-hmm. I love going to Hy-Vee. Yeah. I love I, Ivy. I, I sometimes, whenever I do an interview out of the rink with a player, I bring him like the most high end restaurant, like if it was Koivu or something. I brought Sam Annis to the Hy-Vee in Des Moines. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Annis to that Hy-Vee in Des Moines. And it was honestly a sensational interview. I loved that. And kid. Sammy would yeah, make the yeah. most of it. Yeah, no, it was he, honestly, won the, he won the Fred yeah. Hunt Award, which yeah. is more, and he deserved it. It was yeah. outstanding. And I still remember going back to my hotel and talking to his mom and dad on the phone. And uh, man, I was so broken up when his mom She's passed away. She's a beautiful away. lady. Yep, yep. She was a beautiful, a beautiful lady. Yep, beautiful yep. lady. So, Hey, Timmy, uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, always fun sitting down with you. You're just, uh, I mean, uh, just uh, I just love the way that you break down players, too. And I know Wild fans really, um, you know, because the one thing that I probably don't do well enough is really is really pay attention enough to write really with, with you know, authority on what's going on there. So to have you on, I think it just really breaks it down for Wild fans, and I think they absolutely love it. So I well, appreciate I appreciate it. it. Anytime. Yeah. And I do go a little bit long, but I do I feel as though <laughs> if you're going to do an interview like this, because the fans don't hear a lot, I want to give you. A, I want to give some the fans something a good a good background on, yeah. on the guys. Well, it's and perfect for a podcast. To. Yep, yep. Does your wife speak as much as you like? Do you, like she it? talks more than me. She got more energy <laughs> than I do. She got more energy than I do. Yeah. So she. Yeah. I guess I think we're kind of the same. Yeah, we're similar. Like we we're high energy. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. That's great. Hey, a uh, lot, lot of appreciate. It. Have a great, great off season as well, and we'll see you in training camp as well. Thanks, Michael. But hopefully, there's a long playoff uh, we're, run. We're and we're not, see I hope I'm not home till July. That's yeah, what I'm hoping exactly. for. Exactly. Here's you. a word from one of our sponsors. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Well, thanks to Tim Army, as always, for joining Straight From The Source. Uh, Big game for the Wild ahead. Game 6, Thursday night. Uh, We'll see if they can force a Game 7 on Saturday here in Minnesota. Um, We will see. Uh, Obviously, uh, next week's podcast will be either a tune-up for the Wild Series in Colorado or a season wrap-up. We'll see. The Wild have won two in a row many, many times before. We'll see if they can do it again. Um, podcast galore throughout our network. Corey Promina and Max Boltman have a special NHL Draft Lottery podcast this week on the Athletic Hockey Show. Peter Baer, our incredible Colorado Avalanche beat writer, he joins Craig Custance and Sean Gentili on the Athletic Hockey Show USA. Thanks for listening to Straight from the Source. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform, and don't forget to leave it rating and review. And right now, get an annual subscription to The Athletic for just a dollar a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com 
slash straight from the source. That's a buck a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash straight from the source. Talk to you next week, everybody. Thank you.